opportunity. Missed opportunity is number one. Yeah. Not saying congrats, Nick, in the speech or the alternative. <laughs> Dude, thanks is not a speech. Congrats. <laughs> I know. I thought the mics were off. But the other one that we had talked about potentially was saying uh, uh, thanks to the team. Thanks to everyone who worked on this cool, cool, cool game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These are things that were come up oh, with. Come but up with the biggest we're sitting there. opportunity, obviously, which was not realistically achievable, but was pointed out by every Thumbs listener, was we were in the same space as Samuel L. Jackson. And we did not back into his arm. You totally could have just started backing up. <laughs> that is a up. huge... If you just look behind and be like, where is oh that guy? And then God. just start backing up. Yeah, you saying, guys done fucked it up. Oh, it's you. <laughs> oh, it's you. God. <laughs> We weren't on stage. Mr. Jackson. We weren't on stage. Oh, I'm sorry, Jackson, Sam. The opportunity to say, oh, thank God it's Was you. It? No! It's 12, 12, 12 out of 10. <laughs> and this is Idle Thumbs 87. And I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And, and you guys won all the VGAs. Oh. No, there was way more we could have won. <laughs> you won a VGA. You won the important one. We won five. Wow. Really? Did you really? <laughs> yeah, we really did. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. They only Weird. announced uh, two. They announced one on the red carpet, which was questionable. And then they announced one. But then just like rolled them up. It was like ting, 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 like ting. into a carpet. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's cool. Jake is the one who doesn't want to talk about the VGAs. Oh, I don't mind talking <laughs> about the VGAs. This is just already really weird. It is really strange. Of all the things that somebody said was going to ever happen ever, this is not one of the things that I would put on the list. Yeah. So for anyone listening who doesn't know this, this the game that Jake and Sean were the leads of, The Walking Dead, won the Spike TV video game. <laughs> award yeah it won the best video it game. won game of the year telltale got studio of the year the walking dead also won best game adapted from something else best downloadable game and then melissa hutchinson who's the actress who plays clementine the little girl in the game won best actress performance so i feel like i was really usually, stoked about that in particular yeah that was the right. best part that was the sure. part where we actually like we're like hugging and stuff and right. like holy yeah, yeah, shit yeah, yeah. but she was so happy because she was going up against like Emma Stone, who's a famous actress yeah, yeah, and things like yeah. this. So it was a big deal. The the part that was notable about all of this for me was that we attended the VGAs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. That's the thing, right? That's like, the part that's probably the most like, worth talking about. That's the only reason Most I of the went. time, like, we wouldn't talk about a thing that some of us, like, got a bunch of acclaim for something. Right. But, but like, the fact that it was this. So well, I I was at work when this like, happened. So I wasn't. Couch this, I, like, yeah. missed it live. And I went and I loaded up the video to, like, from the Spike website. I got like 20 seconds it's in. Impenetrable. I'm like, I can't, I can't well, do, I can't watch this. I couldn't do it. Our, our PR it's guy. Really, it was awful. And what did you do? You were able to change the channel. We, we, the great, the best thing is we step out of the limo and literally the first oh, let's person. Let's back that up. We yeah. took a limo to the VGA. We out of the limo. <laughs> we didn't book that limo. I stepped into it and said to myself, this is the first time I've been in a limo since prom, <laughs> <laughs> which is true and which was very weird. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's also how do you get? There was like twelve of us. You got to get twelve people across town. Yeah, I don't know. There, there well, was, was an escalator. Come on, also <laughs> was an escalator. Oh, I was going to say there was a practical application, and then I realized there's an SUV no. limo. <laughs> uh, it was but, one of the weirder experiences. Like I, you, Sean, have done weird entertainment industry bullshit in your life. I imagine I just sort of famous Vanderman and all, um, <laughs> but like. It was held at the Sony Pictures lot, which used right. to be Columbia Pictures. So it is this just crazy, classy, like 1930s classic Hollywood sound stages, like the, a place that I've only really seen from behind the scenes videos and Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Yeah. So we rolled up to what, that in a limo. Water and, Tower, the whole yeah, well, Art all Deco. Yeah, all that hilarious everything. stuff. But then the Spike TV red carpet thing was happening there, and I immediately just turned into an introverted weirdo, and along with half of Telltale, got out the back door of the limo to avoid the red carpet. 
Uh, well, then you come around the limo, and the first, like, literally the first person Jake encounters is Hideo Kojima. <laughs> it was incredible. I just sort of looked at him awkwardly, though. I couldn't do anything. Oh, there's an, yeah, there's there's a photo. But, oh, is there really? Oh, yeah. You haven't seen the photo of Jake looking over his shoulder, named after the episode, Don't Look at Him, He's Hideo? No. Yeah, that's oh, a yeah, photo it's just, that exists. It's just me. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a classic picture of me near Kojima. It's a good photo. Um, we'll put it up somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it's it's super frustrating to me that the people who are nominated for the awards come out and then aren't put on television. Like we met just in the like sort of like lounge area before the show. We met, I think, it was a producer and the lead writer of You Don't Know Jack. Yeah, who were who were up for best social game and like You Don't Know Jack. I turned into an idiot because we ended up, having, right. we ended up having dinner with those guys and they're yeah, wonderful awesome, guys. I've they're loved, really great I've guys. loved the You Don't Know Jack game since I was in high school. Like I was a dorky at home beta tester where Berkeley Systems would mail me a CD like once every two weeks with the new build of the latest game yeah. and all this stuff. So meet that guy who's been on it since I started playing it was insane. Oh man, that's awesome. And they were there. They were so but nice. I don't <laughs> remember You Don't Know Jack ever going up on stage to accept an award. They never accepted. They never Even were given they won. an award. Yeah, they won and were never given the award on the air. That's ridiculous to me, and it that seems it's, it's. And they flew out from Chicago. It's frustrating because it seems <laughs> like they have all the pieces in place for this to actually be a a thing that is representative, except the actual contents of the award show itself. Yeah, is it doesn't make any difference. It's like, very frustrating. The, yeah, the yeah the pieces make no difference because the the fundamental like organization that creates it and maintains it. You know, it doesn't matter what the fucking pieces are. Yeah. It feels weird to be saying all these things after accepting exactly. the highest award. Exactly, and that's award. the thing, and That's, right? that's the thing. It's like it's no, sort but of you, like looking you've already said, like the actual body of people yeah. who, who caused you, specifically caused you to win the award, that's not where you're... Right. That's not where the beef is. And I actually want to make a couple, like just a couple of statements. It was like everybody we actually encountered, every human being, every producer, every like PA, yeah. every celebrity, super gracious, oh, incredibly it. nice... Zoe Zeldana like stopped us after we walked off stage and was like, I re- like congratulations. It was like really great game. Good job, guys. It was really nice. Yeah. And I totally believe it. Like that the mood behind the scenes, everybody was just in a, like it was a lot of levity. There wasn't like a lot of like weird TV Hollywood bullshit stress, which there is at all these things usually. But that, it's hard to that doesn't add up to anything when the programming is just the in between. Oh boy. Anyway. Did you see the tra- No, you never saw that. What? Did you see the trailer for what people are uh, assuming is the new Metal Gear game? Phantom no, Pain? No, I didn't. I saw, I saw four seconds of it as a GIF. That was just <laughs> a very, very, like, high-resolution, like, well-animated guy, like, stumbling around a room and falling, and yeah. falling, knocking shit over, and then the caption, Quop 2. <laughs> so I saw that before I had any idea, that? like, what it was depicting. This morning, I was just, GIF like... is really funny. I posted That's the, amazing. The GIF and, and it was, like, I don't know what game this is, but this is hilarious. And then a bunch of people were, like, oh, it's some Metal Gear thing. Yeah, it's the new Metal Gear know. game, and it was announced... Under the name of a different studio, not Kojima Productions. It was, under, it was announced under Moby Dick Studios. Mm. It's a really like clean, but nice But apparently, logo. if you go to the Moby Dick Studios website, the president's name is an anagram for Hideo Kojima. Also, the title card that says The Phantom Pain, there's a bunch of slats cut into it. But if you can just overlay the words Metal Gear Solid and it fits perfectly into them. So it is just mm. a Metal Gear game. Also, it was a weird CG trailer that put up a bunch of questions. Which yeah. just means it's a Metal Gear trailer. Yeah. 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 But it was like, am I alive? Is this hell? What is game? <laughs> it was, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Quop. Man, there's coming at it from all angles. <laughs> oh, Quop, Quop is, is game. game, from what I understand. Yeah. Quop, the Phantom Pain. <laughs> it was a, Man, funny. That, speaking, of, speaking of Quop oh, and Bennett Foddy, sports friends hit the goal. Like, by, t- by $2,000. Out like, of $150,000. Yeah, wow. Ended up on 152000 like Three days ago minute. when somebody said that was going to happen, I would have said They were like no, 80000 sure. yeah. out or they more. Were way, yeah, what happened? Were, was it just a big there was they a just huge push. They, they added like a ton of extra games to the $60 tier. And a like, lot of press and developers really, really like rallied behind really it on Twitter it, and yeah. on just the rest yeah. of the internet. But they just barely pushed by, which is super the best. Yep. Yeah, because that's really good. It must be stoked. Everything in Sports Friends is what I like. Yeah, it's really good. What are the games? Uh, For, the main ones are... You can, you you can't, can you back it still, or is it over? No, it's no, over. It's over. Okay. There's Johan Sebastian Joust, Hokra, Bari Bari Ball, and Super Pole Riders. Yes. And then also, also Tennis. Like, those are the four that are going to be turned into a, like into a console games. game, into Sports Friends. The game like is supposed to be a same-screen multiplayer gallery with those yeah. four, but then by backing it, you also get a P- the PC version of Tennis. 
and a fuckload of other weird prototypes and small projects by those guys. Cool. They had some good t-shirts. No, 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 no. That's they had one, one good t-shirt. That's LA Game Space. Never mind. <laughs> Just getting all of our Kickstarters confused here. It's easy. There's some cool ones out right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We played that uh, Space Team. Space Team. That was, pretty, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> right before the podcast, like literally 20 minutes ago, we... Uh, we downloaded Space Team for iOS, which is a free game. I wish we could stream Space Team. We could. We should have. We could have. I mean, How? Was, I mean, you'd have you to actually like, point cameras at the phones. You, you just watch three people yelling things at each other. I mean, oh, that's, that's not as fun. Well, I guess okay. it's not as fun. I guess we should fun. talk about Space Team for a second. Yes? No? Yeah. yeah. Space Team is um, it's an iOS game that you can play on iPhones and iPads uh, where... Each person who's playing, like you need, you need multiple players. It's two to four players, and each person has the control panel of a spaceship. But you're just responsible for certain tasks. So you'll have four or five switches with weird names, and then everyone else also has panels of switches, but they do different stuff. So your monitor will come up, and it'll say like "flush vents" or whatever. So, you, but you don't have a vent button on your machine, so you have to yell "flush vents," <laughs> and then someone else has it, and they'll press it and say "okay, okay," and it's supposed to create the situation of a spaceship on a crazy space adventure where everyone on the bridge is working together to solve these problems, but the problems are completely insane. So at the top, you see your ship sort of slowly going increasingly fast and going out of control and your control starts smoking and melting. And especially as people start fucking things up, uh, alarms yeah. start going off and things, panels fall panels off, fall yeah. off and it start shaking disastrous. around. So you have to use the gyroscope of your phone or Stuff your finger all to wobbly and rehinge melty. them. Like goo starts pouring yeah. out of things. So you can't read them. The craziest one is the translation error. Yeah, one of our waves or one of the sectors that's, we were in had a translation error. That's the one we finally lost, right? Yeah. 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 That's where all of a sudden, I guess, whatever the universal translators in our eyes were stopped functioning and we could no longer read the controls on our own ship. So a command would show up and then you just have to guess which lever that corresponded yeah. to, which yeah. of course means that you accelerate the death of your ship because you're just... You're putting in all these incorrect putting commands in, that you're trying yeah. to get them to work. But yeah. it... It was super fun. And I don't think you get good at it. Oh, sure. oh, yeah. yeah, totally. I think we have to go like in like like a, like a specific like a circuit. order. Yeah, yeah. We, there were times when we were doing that, exactly, but yeah. it felt really solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I could just a con- constant clockwise call it out mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, the constant clockwise call it out. Uh huh. Yeah. I wonder if there are space I call it the triple team. C. Oh, the triple C. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a path to success. Uh, a space team tournament would be really hilarious to me. Yeah, where you put you have a team that you put together. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you have a space team team. Yeah. It's four people. Oh, space team. Oh, that's true. Um, just see how many sectors you last, but and then once you blow up, bring in the next space team, basically. But yeah. watching people who are a super efficient space team would be amazing. Oh no, my I'm god, sure. we'd all need matching yeah. like, tracksuits. I imagine there would be <laughs> methods that would come out where you'd end up just because I'm sure there's a finite number of controls that exist, so right. you could probably invent acronyms for them. So when it's saying "get ready for commands," everyone's just like "CTFB four five two seven, like where everyone just so you shorthand know who has which controls and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like yeah. I'm sure you could come up with some weird oh, like space team drill team. Do you think that controls are pre baked as collections, or do you think no? I mean, oh, like man. you would just list off the acronyms quick for all the controls that you have, and then everyone else, due to just extreme space team drilling, would internalize that and go, "Okay, oh SPD, SPT." So, like, Okay, he's STD. Got, yeah, so then you would just Space be like... Space team drilling is definitely STD. Yeah, sorry. Just, got, yeah, right. Yeah. SP15, like that's your range. It was like right. this time it goes from one to five. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, just, <laughs> Get ready for some, that. Some of them are just buttons you press once. Some of them are toggles mm-hmm. that have on and off. Some of them are, are, are like analog dials that go from like one to seven. Yep. There's, like, there's, there's all different. There's sliders and there's also ones that just have a huge, like a multiple array of buttons where things can have yeah. different specific states. Yeah. And uh Yeah. Also, occasionally an asteroid shows up, at which point everyone has to shake their device to dodge the asteroid, I guess. So there's one where you have to flip it upside down. And you have to, everyone has to flip it upside yeah. down and hold is that it. a barrel roll? Is that what that is? I don't know what that's <laughs> no, supposed to mean. I, yeah, I guess it is. But, but yeah, everyone's supposed to turn their device upside down temporarily. It's a weird, weird co-op experience. It's a cooperative UI game. That's what it's good. actually called. It's really good. Yeah, it was the best. I it's one it. of those games that, I, I mean, it's, I think these are the kind of games that succeed. Uh, on mobile platforms it's one of those games that is just fundamentally a good idea yeah. you know what i mean we're the kind of games that that are in our industry tend to be games that succeed on execution and like most of the ideas have either been thought of or people have stopped trying to think of them for the most of the time right. like when you're spending millions of dollars on a game uh or as i feel like the games that do really well on mobile platforms are the ones that are just this that's just like 
Someone had a, someone had a funny, clever idea, and they just made it well mm-hmm. enough to yep. ex, to like get that idea across. It also would be really hard to play on a, any other platform. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You could play it on like a DS or something, maybe. But that's what's the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really fun. Mm. I don't know how long for how long it would be fun, but I wouldn't mind getting really good at Space Team. I'd play it a couple more times for sure. It's a game yeah. I could imagine playing. It's also like once or twice on an like irregular basis, yeah. as opposed mm-hmm. to for like three hours also it costs zero dollars it's also free yeah Yeah, so go get it i wonder if they're planning on oh it has upgrades you can buy additional challenges and other stuff like that oh Oh, it's free to play but you're getting like more content (laughs) yeah (sighs) anyway yeah i don't mind games like that no that's totally fine i assumed it was going to be one of those things where it's just free but then like in two weeks, they just raise it just so that they have that period of getting. Oh, uh, it looks yeah. like because at the end of the round, there is an exit button and an upgrade button. So those, those are the only two buttons mm. available, which I think was supposed to get you like oh, in, the, even, in the thrill so, of being a space team. I, didn't even, I, saw, I remember reading that and I never even gave it a second thought. Oh, I pressed it earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I keep just wanting to say, oh, well, it's pooched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Space yeah. team, it's cool. You should play it. It's free. Are you going to play Far Cry Three? I guess you own it, so you will play it. I'm, I own it, so I will play it. I just haven't had any time. I'm just watching over my shoulder, it seemed like you. I thought I thought I heard you say, but I don't think you did. Go. No, maybe not for me. I probably did say that. <laughs> I, I already I already have it. So like I already it's already all downloaded on my Steam and everything. Like, yeah. I just haven't. Well, it's on this. Right. I was pleased to walk anyway. in and yeah, see that exactly. it was downloaded. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, good. Yeah, so. Yeah. No, I'll play it. You, I have to admit, though, watching you play the first, like, 20 minutes or whatever made me... It dampened my already sort of tempered excitement. Yeah. And know. I think... I mean, I... Like, I basically stopped playing to record this podcast yeah. right at the moment where I felt like it was about to become yeah. the game. And to be fair to the game... Which is unfair. We didn't play yeah. it long enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, we didn't play it long enough to actually have any... Re- it's not even worth having talking a lot about it because... Yeah. You haven't even escaped the tutorial zone. Exactly. I killed a snake, but I think everybody kills that snake. <laughs> that old snake. I killed... Oh, I think... Every- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I killed a snake, but everyone kills that snake. You, it wasn't your... You didn't own that snake kill. No, that wasn't like... That wasn't part of your that story. That wasn't an emergent story event yeah, that happened No, it looks like me. you didn't do anything in that game that wasn't prescribed for you. No. So far, oh, actually, you weren't here for the sneaking at the beginning. Mm. Um, you snuck around. You were there. Oh, that was very when I was really sneaking. when I was upset about that. There's a guy you're sneaking out of the out of the prisoner the prison place the captive zone, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Uh, even kidnapped, and you're sneaking. This guy's teaching you to sneak. I was not captivated at that moment. Sure. Um. And there's a guy who's readily accessible to you. He's got a, like an M, like an NK47 on his back, and he's like butchering meat. And you're supposed to sneak past him, like, and he's like six feet away, like we're very close to you. Yeah. So the guy goes in front of me, I'm like, and so I go and I stop behind the guy who's butchering the meat. I'm like, I wonder how long I can sit here. And the guy's like, Let's go, Jason. Let's move. I'm like, Give me a minute. <laughs> so I sit there. I'm like, Well, I can just sit here. I'm like looking around. He's got a gun on his back. How do I not just grab this guy's gun? pull him to the ground and just choke his life out of him. I have another guy with me. So I was like, I bet I can do that. Like, there's no way I Why can't just... Why would you be re- able to do that? There's no way they're not just going to let me punch this guy out. So like, I went up to him and tried to like pull You're triggers and stuff. You're a crazy person. And click You've on him. played a video game before. It, he turned and killed me and my tutorial experience that's was like, over. I died in the first 90 seconds of the game. That's like you playing the first 20 minutes of Half-Life 2 and being like, why can't I just choke out all these guards when I haven't even picked up a well, gun they're yet? they're looking at you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a completely yeah. different experience. Like, if you go up to a guard in Half-Life 2, they respond in turn. They like push you away and, yeah. and keep the fun going forward. This literally ended my playthrough. I thought that was kind of a weird move. Like, I just can't believe they put him within physical, like... Yeah, it's weird. Like, no other game would do that. Like, without giving you a weapon. People, like, I can't think of a game that would do that. Um, if this was, you know, especially a first-person game. Where, uh... Yeah. There's just no way... If you, get, if you go touch him and you explore, it just, you're murdered. And that also, under the auspices of Far Cry, which is... Yeah. Feels like, uh the anti that but yeah. i don't know i'll, I'll, I'll give I'll, it some time i will give it a, i'll give it a shout out to all probably this week you were also within the first 10 minutes told to stay within the combat area which is a surprising far cry message yeah yeah one of those things where you like walk too far and then it's watch out well guy gives me 20 dollars and says buy a gun and i'm like i know far cry guy gives you 20 dollars you don't have to buy a gun you go fucking steal a jeep and run <laughs> over a zebra 
I'll be yeah. back. So I ran away and I, and I almost failed that one. You failed the mission of spinning. I don't know. Just the, the idea. Just the idea. That's a good story. If the kid like gets rescued, kid escapes from the the jungle prison, wakes up in a guy's village, and he's like, "Here's twenty. Here's here's hundred dollars. Go buy a gun. We're gonna see you to save your brother." And you just take the hundred dollars and go, "Nope," and leave. <laughs> I don't know. If the game supported that story. That'd have been good. Yeah. Uh, but no, it does feel it's it's funny. It's it's a game that instantly feels. Um, more at conflict between uh, expressed narrative, yeah. um, ex- explicit narrative, and its uh, sandbox roots. Right. Well, Far Cry, yeah, I mean, it's- Far Cry Two was also uncommonly dedicated to, you know, bridging that gap. Yeah. But you know, which in ways that a lot of people took issue with, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, also just looking at you playing that game. I mean, it's just. It definitely the game definitely wants you to to like be less pissed off than Far Cry does, right? Whereas Far right. Cry or Far Cry Two, whereas Far Cry Two just doesn't give a shit about you really no. that much. Um, but I, you know, what? I would I've been saying that to people who've been asking me about Far Cry Two, like especially in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, people at the office have been like, "You're really into that Far Cry game, right? Is this three going to be good?" I was like, two is great. You should play it. It's nine dollars. It's ten dollars on Steam." And I started saying that to people, like, oh, this game doesn't give a shit about you. But then I realized that's not the case. The game just actually thinks you're smart. The game just really respects you. The game's just like, you can handle yourself. That's true. You know, and I like that about the yeah. game. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just gonna I was just gonna say one of the this is you know, it's getting a little it's getting a little field of that, but but I still think it's related. Just looking at you, one of the things that really, really struck me as I was watching you watching you um walk around was just how like bright and saturated and more just normal the game looks not normal yeah. to like there's a wide any, spectrum any of absolute color. sense of normality but just normal compared to it other triple a video it has games. like far cry one's like color it's just palette, yeah with yeah. the same color palette as a lot of games that, yeah like it's just the lighting model was very typical like it was right. whereas far cry 2 is immediately striking with that very like desaturated almost mellow um not a lot of bright blue yeah turquoise. right exactly yeah. like th- that game and so the at least that you remember there is blue sky in that game often. no there's totally blue right. sky but there's the but the just the savannah has that like just right. the everything about the world, even the guns, right? Like even the metal of the guns is just is more muted than how things look in most games. Right. And I think that's a very memorable part of Far Cry too. Yeah. Everything palette. just has that 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 restrained palette, which seemed I really very like. same like very similar, like just cause. Yeah, just like cause that. is a good yeah, I think that's, that's touched on. Yeah. yeah. Um It was a weir- it was a weird yeah. first expression first impressions experience watching you play Far Cry three mm-hmm. because like I wonder if some of that has to do with. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. Oh, well, just like what Kirk was talking about, they're still they still are beholden to a lot of stuff that I like about Far Cry Two. But it oh, seems, you love that shit. But it seems like it's in <laughs> it's in a very. But it's it's only it was a really surface level weird thing. Like when you when you went into that control room in the base and your buddy was like, pick up that stuff, and you clicked on it, and then the first person hand came up and like picked up the cell phone, put it away, picked up some other things, and then fucking held a map in first person folded it up and put it in, in the inventory i was just like fuck yes far cry and then you escape out of the base and then your fucking guy unfolds the map and sets it on a rock and you and your brother are looking at it and then your brother gets shot in first person camera and i was like fuck yes far cry but yeah then you press the button to open the map in the game and a full screen ui comes up it drops you out of the game and puts you in a, a full map ui and that was very why put it in the cutscene. Yeah, when it's not in the goddamn game, it's they, funny. I wonder, they built it. They animated is, it. This is like completely they like, made that map like bullshit conjecture. <laughs> so I understand that. But like, I played a lot of Assassin's Creed Two Brotherhood and One, uh-huh. and I haven't played Three yet. Um, but a lot of the sort of the visual paradigms of Assassin's Creed feel like they're seeping into Far Cry. Uh, Steve, Steve, I don't know what he meant by it necessarily because I haven't played Far Cry Three yet. But Steve. Steve was like, Far Cry 3, huh? This is the best Assassin's Creed game yet. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. It yeah, seems yeah. like the UI, some of the UI paradigms from Assassin's Creed. Well, just sort of like when I discovered a new map area at the very mm-hmm. beginning, oh, they teach you to discover a new map area. Like, There's those like crazy, uh, yeah. like, they're basically chopper cam. Right, exactly. Swirl, yeah. Like, jump the 10 radio, miles like, really fast. Yeah, yeah like, whoo, and whoosh to a new place yeah, in the map. Yeah. Whoosh, and then whoosh to a new place. But they look like basically like a helicopter camera or something. Well, they just look like a modern music video or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that visual, that aesthetic is like anchored in Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And it's funny. They're both Ubisoft games and they're I, both Ubisoft Montreal games. Do you think that, do you think it's just the same people executing different things or like influencing different things? Or do you or think it is being just interested in the same shit and like seeing, being surrounded yeah. by oh, each I'm other? So There's probably that. also just cross studio lessons learned that yeah. are, yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I understand. <laughs> Maybe there's a default camera animation. It made the world. <laughs> the thing is that people don't understand. The thing about that stuff, right? And in Assassin's Creed, it's like. I feel like it works better, at least in Assassin's Creed 2, where you're in these big cities, and it's sort of just saying, like, all of this is available to you. Like, yeah, well, go explore. Also, it's a third-person game. Yeah, and it's a third-person game. a first-person game. game, and suddenly you're, like, zooming around in this omniscient, right. like, copter cam. Like, I don't know. Like, in Assassin's Creed, it makes those cities feel expansive and full yeah. of possibility. In Far Cry 3, it instantly made the f- world feel really small to me. Yeah. And... I don't know. I, Jake and I talk about that a lot, I guess. But like that, make, like a lot, a lot, a lot of times in narrative, like oh, that makes the world feel small. Don't do that. Um, a lot in episode five, actually, Walking Dead, about oh, if this thing has to go here, and then we need this scene here because the world will feel small if we don't have it. And I think that's something you need to consider all the time. Is yeah, like sure. how big does this make your world feel? Well, Jake, you and I were talking about that like last week about the space base of all things, which is just a goofy prototype. What are we like, talking about? It? Oh, just whatever. the notion of like the zo- how the zooming works and like what the default scale is. And right, stuff. just and what like your perception that, of the space is. Yeah, how that just immediately impacts like perception the, of the space base. Perception of space <laughs> base. It's funny in Far Cry Three. Like it's not my like this is this is a worthless thing to say, but I suspect that there are people for whom the zoom out and the rotate makes the world feel bigger for them because they didn't have any idea about what this sort of game mm-hmm. they're playing is. Because if you're playing, mm. if you're playing Far Cry three, but you're usually the sort of person who plays a narrative corridor game for the game right. to go and show you an Island and then spin around to a location and then whip back to where you are uh-huh. and say, make your way there. That is a way different experience than yeah. if you're, if That's you're, point. if your previous experience playing a triple A console first person games is walk down this narrative corridor and Bioshock watch, watch and pillars explode. Yeah. yeah. Things like this. Call of Duty. But, yeah. yeah. Or Call of Duty type stuff. So like. Call of Duty is a better it, call on. Far Cry 3 seems like a lot of the choices that they're making are trying to reach out to people who would never play Far Cry 2 and say. It's going to be okay, and I don't that's know. Actually, I don't yeah. know if that's good or that's bad. The universe, by the way, I mean that is the absolute universal direction of sequels to games that critics kind of liked, yep. but didn't quite hit. Like that's, I mean, yep. there have been exa- other examples where people have basically admitted that directly, like in the last recent, 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 um, and like that. I mean, that's just the that is the default mode at this point. It's like you have your game that. Oh, it seems like there's some potential thing there, and like people wrote blog posts about this, and like people seem to like it, but like then there's then like how do we like make what other things are you talking about? Yeah, I was gonna ask you, but if you didn't, you, you did like a, a Chris eyebrow that said maybe you didn't want to say, but I don't know, like okay. all that stuff about the Bioshock Infinite box art, and like there's that's a very oh, okay. common oh, yeah, thing. I'm just like it's just. I mean, those are very different things. Box art versus camera, like those are. But just how I mean, they're all. But in, but that that's it's like all kind a of goal that is common. How you right do s- now in how do you, games? Right. How do you present your game to a customer? Yeah. You know, and I think that is. Yeah. That is both marketing and design. Yeah. You know, oh, those sure. like those are the same thing. But like Far Cry Three gives the impression to me, at least, that the UI is fully modal, whereas Far Cry Two. There was no mode switch. Yeah, I mean, I, like we should, I should, we should really be fair to the game because I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to get, I don't want to get angry. Well, we just need, a, we clearly like, just need. We to are going to put some, it. we're yeah. going to put some more time into this. Yeah, but this I do is probably think, longer than we intended to talk. Yeah, about. but I also don't mind talking about just sort of like basic design paradigms. No, it's also stuff. first yeah. impressions. Yeah, and if this the whole, is Far Cry Three first impressions, well, is okay, what this is going to be. The reason this, the reason this is, the reason this is relevant is because the topic we like that we just hit on just now is entirely about creating first impressions geared to a particular audience oh yeah good so like yeah, it's, yeah. i think it's valid for us to talk about our first impressions being probably not the specific audience that they're right that they're trying to target because i mean you if you pick this game i mean and steve did pick this game up at pax i wonder if he played through the opening cutscene and stuff like I that think i think just did. dropped you into a live demo yeah. where they're like okay raid the space go yeah. and that's the that was the pax thing yeah yeah which is probably for someone who's more into the far cry 2 stuff yeah. what you'd or want just someone who's going to be at pax in general even if yeah. they're not a far cry 2 fan mm-hmm. but just we can trust that you'll know how to run. Well, that's like the the Dishonored demo at PAX and at QuakeCon was just like, go do this crazy mid-game mission and we're going to preload you with a bunch of interesting powers and all that stuff. And I'm sure the Far Cry 3 demo was the same way. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Your first Far Cry 3 experience was, here's money, stay in the combat zone. What? God damn it. Here's a guy, yeah. instant fail. Like, just... All yeah. Time. I did stab a guy in the neck by hitting spacebar a lot. I'm oh, playing on PC, obviously. That's good that you hit spacebar. Oh, cool. Can I do it a different way? I mean, like, what do you mean? No, no, no. You have to do that. It, it, it is, yeah. That's no. the least interesting part. It is the most yeah. expressed. <laughs> it is the most explicit narrative. Thing like, ever. Oh, cool. And before Wait. people jump on us for, for bullshitting about being mad about an explicit narrative, I'm not. It's just I didn't think I was going to be in here. You know, I had this, well, you know. There's nothing wrong with explicit narrative. I what, The thing that 
So this is a thing that I feel like we've talked about a lot recently. It's definitely a thing I've thought about a lot recently. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that there is there is something – there is a difference between a game that is just fundamentally honest about what it's doing with, this, with a narrative oh, yeah, and a game that is thing. trying to just be uh, – put a lot more artifice there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I mean – Well, it's sort of obfuscating the optimal playthrough. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're sneaking around, but it's like – the possibility space is in, in, is in fact so tiny mm-hmm. that there's no real tension of any kind because it's just a binary, like. Mm-hmm. Th- but but it's putting you in a position where you you feel like you should be part of an actual system that your character is moving mm-hmm. around in, but you're yeah. not at all. It's just complete nonsense. Um, I don't know. That's it's a weird thing, and I feel like over the past year, there seems to be an increasing tolerance, and I think you see this in, like these are these are all very different games in terms of the actual of like the story and in terms of even the systems and, and everything else. But if you look at like your, your guy's game, the walking dead, if look at Steve's making, if you look at 30 flights of loving, if you look at dear Esther, um, there seems to be a lot more tolerance for some reason over the last year and a lot more potential buzz rising up around games that are largely about explicit narrative, but don't try to act otherwise. Right. You know, like th- those, none of those games are trying to fool you into thinking you're actually part of this like dynamic combat system all the time when you're really just in a mm-hmm. glorified cutscene. Like, yeah. N- none of those games are like that. Like there are moments that are just cutscenes and there are, and there are moments that are just dialogue trees, but like they're all on their face what they are. And that's right. something that I, that I think has been a really nice trend to see just the acceptance of, of the broad, like critical and in a lot of cases, commercial acceptance of that kind of attitude um, because it just seems to me to have more respect for the mm-hmm. player. Like th- they might not be massively different in terms of actual player agency, like on a moment to moment basis. But to me, it's way preferable to right. to be honest about how much player. Agency I agree. I mean, what it does is it totally deletes that sentence from of that you hear all the time in a game like critique. You go, oh, hey, man. Um, hey, should I buy that game? And they go, yeah, I'll do that. totally. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, the story sucks, but like you should totally play it. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, and you if know, the story it, sucks in that game, then you're just not going to recognize it. It is just it a non-existing yeah. thing. Yeah, it's you know, and like and I, I think that's it really probably, it, you know, yeah. it takes some confidence in, I was just in say that. ability yeah. to, to to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to speak for ourselves because you know we're more. I mean, but Steve though, right? You know, he goes off to make his game. Yeah, and nobody's telling him what to do, and he believes in himself enough to say, you know what, I'm just going to tell a really great story, and I'm like, mm-hmm. there's yeah, not going to be any sort of like if that doesn't work. Like, exactly, if the story's bad. That game is zero, and I love that. I don't. I love that. I, I think that's really great. What and, do you guys think yeah. is, has brought that about? That is a thing that can happen now. I mean, it's a good question. It, it seems, I think a lot of it is people of our general, like our essentially our generation, who have been playing games for a long time, and I think are just honestly, I think a lot of it is just even even the people who aren't necessarily like tired of playing games and like they will still happily play games in that mold are also wishing there were other things guess, at I, least on top I of that. I guess that's true. Like, yeah, th- I guess I answered my own question by thinking about Steve, whose previous yeah, game exactly. was Steve's Bioshock, great, yeah. and Steve is enjoying the shit out of Far Cry 3, but, like, it seems like Steve's deal was, I'm a game developer who's been working in the industry for a number of years now. My favorite parts of it are this, this, and this. Why don't I just do those parts? Yeah. And yeah, ta-da! Exactly. Like, that's, yeah, I guess, yeah. which Absolutely. seems similar to Brendan, who's, uh, mm-hmm, Brendan sure. at Blendo. Is just oh yeah. I guess I'll just make this the parts of the game that I care about. Well, the thing that's that's so amazing about Brendan is that he can do that with totally different parts in each game, right? Right. Yeah. Like in one game, it's just like exploring the interesting like human connections in between the implied action sequences. In another game, it's just like what if I just took a crazy procedural approach to this one specific genre? Like in another game, it's what if I did this like you know sort of homeland homeworld esque thing except just the most stripped down specific version of it possible. Like, I don't know. Right. Brendan explores these very specific what ifs, I feel like in each of his games. And it's crazy to me that they're all such different. What ifs? Yeah. A fucking guy. <laughs> but I feel, I mean, that does, it does feel like his process talking to him where it's just mm-hmm. what, if, you know, yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, I like talking to him a lot. Yeah, it's always too. like, that's brilliant. It feels like the first 90% of his answers to the what ifs are just failures, <laughs> just abject yeah, failures. And that's yeah, so cool too, that's right? Awesome. Because that's not like... It feels like he's exploring something. Yeah. And most, and at a, that's another thing that is probably one of the reasons these, most of these games of the kind we're talking about, uh, well, there, there are other reasons here. There's marketing and so on, but it's probably one reason they're largely being made by much smaller teams is that um, they're, if you're working within a really, if you're at like a big AAA studio 
And especially if you're like owned by a publisher or if you're, or if you have a publishing deal, well, actually even more so if you have a publishing deal, but are not owned by a publisher, um, you've got to put a game out at a specific time. And like, you don't, you can't really do what Brendan does and like try some things for a while and see and like do a bunch of prototypes. Like you pretty much are going to be working in a pretty well understood genre because that's the only way you have even a chance of getting your game done for a predictable t- uh, development length and, so, and budget. Um, and so that just completely discourages like any, you know, making games like this. And the only, the closest thing you get to them are weird, like David Cage, like top heavy, crazy things that, right. you know, don't end up actually, I don't, I don't, to me, don't feel like they've ended up actually having proportionate impact to some of these other games. Right. Like, right. I mean, I, the, the, that, that game probably sold more than a lot of these games did just by virtue of being so huge, but like relative to the amount of money spent on it and relative to the copies that sold, it feels like that has had less of an impact than the combined effect of some of these smaller mm-hmm. games that, that, that have been coming out. At least on the industry and the developer community, if not on the That's audience. That's what I mean. That's why I say yeah. proportionally to like how much they sold and how much they yeah. cost, right? Like as opposed to in absolute terms. Yeah. Um, but I, it would be very surprising to me if, uh, if stuff like Heavy Rain ended up influencing and resulting in a bunch more Heavy Rain-like games, where it would not be at all surprising to me if if the i mean maybe maybe that's not the case but like where if some of these smaller games or like if the game you guys made it wouldn't be surprising to me at all if that actually spawned more uh more games closer to that right so i don't know and that's ultimately what counts in the long term like that's what actually makes a difference to posterity mm-hmm. you guys want to take a little break yeah, yeah let's do it yeah video Spray, spray spin grill. Disable, Disable arc string. Did it lock sub Rotate teaser. mono pulser. Oh, fuck, I have that. Lock sub Set teaser. hydraulic bubble to two. Set flex lens to one. Set laser sphere counter to three. Enable steam screw. That's me. Laser sphere counter? Spray, laser sphere counter to spray three. spin grill. Lock sub teaser. Increase pico saucer to three. We live? Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, we nearly died. Oh, oh man. Wow. Sector 8. Oh, good. No anomalies. He was just off stage when we walked off, wasn't he? Yeah, but he wasn't, like, not on TV. That's true. God. You know what? Had I witnessed you backing to Samuel Jackson's arm, I would have told everybody. I was so... I was so out of it when we were up on stage. Like you I couldn't don't remember anything from actually actual event. You coun't see anything because of the lights. You couldn't hear anything because there were no monitors. So I just heard... I just heard Dan and Kevin's speeches before ours, and they just sounded like... <laughs> like, I couldn't hear what anyone was saying. And then when I left, I just sort of walked off in a haze holding the award in my hand. And then I got halfway to the green room place, and some girl came up and was like, Sir, excuse me, sir, you can't take that award. <laughs> she took it from me. So this is the, this is, we only have one of these. This is the prototype. But if I had had my wits about me, I probably could have walked right off stage and Samuel L. Jackson would have been lingering around nearby. Right. You and then, said, and then put, put in the dream up. world where I was like fully cogent, we could have maybe taken a picture of me backing up into his arm and having him say Idle Thumbs rules. And, and then having him put an Idle Thumbs on that bumper sticker on his car and be his best friend forever. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. didn't that happen? Why was I just a confused mess? The list of missed opportunities is long. Yeah. I could have like a rocket pack. I could have got those fucking headphones though. I can't believe we didn't get those headphones in the green room. That was our biggest mistake. There was a wall full of headphones. Those really nice gaming headphones. At least that lady called us by our correct name and didn't call us Gary. (laughs) (laughs) It was Allison Hayslip from a place. All right. So Emil Mirza, are you ready for me? Are Are we back? Yeah. Yeah, we're back. We've been back. We're talking about hilarious VGA shenanigans. Okay. All right. And we're back. Emil Merzad says, hey guys. We never left. Hey, what's his name again? uh, Emil Emil Merzad. Okay. I mean, that's probably incorrect. I don't know. We'll say Emil. Hey guys. Well, the reason I say that is there's a Y, not an I, so it felt like it seems, maybe it's different. I don't know. But like, you know who's pronounced Emil? Emil Pagliarulo from from Bethesda Game Studios. It's not Emil, it's Emil, even though it's spelled like Emil. Cool. Yeah. Well, go, go your way. Yeah. Anyway, this will be settled in an email. Anyway, Emil says, <laughs> "Please write in seventy-two hours." Thumbs.net. We'll take it. We're going to take an informal poll of reader na- readers named Emil. Or, or maybe Emil can just write in and say, "That's my name." 
No. Okay, we'll pull the readers. Yeah, Check the yeah, blog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Check our face blog. We don't want to go about anecdotal evidence. We we no, want. No, no, no. Yeah. We've statistically this is America, found that democracy. Your name, we've statistically determined that your name is pronounced Emil. <laughs> Check out our Facebook. Uh, Emil, we've poll. got some news for you. We it turns out <laughs> that I just said your name wrong. <laughs> All right. Anyway. He says, hey, guys, I was wondering, how does being part of the game industry affect the way you experience games? Do you think the lenses through which you view games are useful or the opposite when you judge a game? Do you sometimes wish you could experience games like a normal person? I'm a game designer, and I can't play a game without questioning every design choice or trying to figure out what makes the game good or bad. Not only that, but the more time you spend working on games, the more you see the bits and pieces. Well, I don't think this is bad exactly. Understanding th- as others, understanding things does have its own joy. Sometimes I wish I could just experience the game. One of my former professors, who works as a game ergonomist, said he found playing games exhausting because he couldn't separate play from work. That seems like one of the most terrifying things ever. What do you guys think? See the first half of this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually... I, I have two points. One, personally, is I'm pretty good about just... If I'm in passive, if I'm in digestive mode, mm-hmm. I'm in that mode. Like, I'm a different person than I am when I'm thinking about designing a game or I'm at the office. Very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can snap into that mode while playing a game, but I feel like I can control it. So that's yeah. good. But this um, second point is I feel like it's harder in games than anything else, though. Like, I feel like maybe I'm because wrong. Because they are actually systems. Yeah. Like, I feel like, like Steven Spielberg can go watch the new Scorsese film like anybody else. Yeah. Unless there's something crazy I'm technical. I'm sure there's still you know. something going on there, but I do know what you yeah. mean. About, and we could be, as you say, it could be totally wrong about this. If you're Steven but Spielberg. Like, as a musician, I don't ever think about, when I'm listening to music, I don't ever think about like, oh, I know what chords he's playing. Lame. Right. I mean, actually, I guess, okay, that's wrong. I do think about that sometimes. But you know yeah. what? But like, the, but it's not, it, it, it really impacts me a lot less than, than with games. And I think the least impactful probably has to be being an author. Like, I feel like, to be a good author, you just you have to read. Yeah, ex- except for genre fiction, probably where there's oh, like yeah, really prescribed, yeah. like like oh look what he did there. With the like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet that clue sort of yeah, yeah things like yeah, that. Yeah. Where there's more. That's a good point. Hmm. Or like the more formless the art, abstract the, the more arts, yeah, right, exactly. The more, more formless, exactly. yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> is that this is the broad general? Yeah. What do you think about that? I don't well, know. And also, the more commercial and large team a thing is, the more likely it is to have prescribed forms because you need. It's, to uh, mitigate risk somehow. It seems bold to me that a person who writes for a living is not going to be the most critical of other writing that they experience. Being, that I seems being ridiculous criti- to me. I, I think, think that authors are going to be like, I, I just can't deal with this and we'll just close it. Whereas oh, most really? people would read oh, most authors I know are like, oh, I'm totally reading Harry Potter yeah, 7 right I think now. Writer, I, think readers tend to be, I think writers tend to be voracious readers. But I also think there's a difference between being critical and having like high artistic standards and having this sort of just like be constantly waylaid by the by the like seeing x-ray into the That's craft true. part of it I yeah think those are different things like somehow the like more suspe- technical yeah. the more technical a form is the more of that stuff there is to see yeah that's like fair. there's definitely a lot of craft obviously that goes into writing there's almost in, there's like immeasurable amounts of craft but like you don't need to work you're not like oh the wood pulp they used for this is bullshit like games right. has all of that stuff and more right? yeah like, all of these weird- like right now i mean that's that's actually a good point because they're like, look how shiny these objects are. Yeah. Like, nobody at home is saying that. Maybe they are. Some people are. Some people are. But I think the one bulk of the interesting of the, you know, things about games is that because games do tend to be so formulaic and on the design side, I think a lot of people who do just play a lot of games probably end up getting a version of this that is that is some subset of the game developer version of it, where they just get so accustomed to this one, like, shader that's just in fashion right now right. or whatever. You know, like, th- things that just tend to be seen in a lot of games for like three years straight right you know and if and if someone who isn't playing tons of games all the time and like just constantly being immersed in that stuff is, not, is just not going to be nearly as aware of that yeah i guess this is just what you guys were saying a second ago but that the fact that every single aspect of a game is constructed is probably why that's like you mean it's built on sort of a technical framework i mean Every single thing in a game is artificial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, every single thing in everything is artificial, though. I know, but when you write your writing in the language in which we speak, when you play a musical instrument, there's still just physical properties, and it's just it's just thing that's actually built, I guess. Whereas in a video game, every single thing is going through way more layers of abstraction of all kinds. Of synthes- synthetic. Yeah. Like, it's just, okay. there's nothing in there that isn't, like... To, for it to appear on screen 
in front of you. A computer has to have a com- Someone had to make a choice and input it into a computer. Whereas, like, typing sentences out and the way that your brain processes that is so, like, there's just, there's... It is the language in which your brain thinks. There's 400,000 billion things in between what your hand is doing and what's going into your eyeball. Right. And all of those, if you make a game, you can recognize every single layer of that. Whereas right. when you're writing, you're like, okay, that your word choice is weird. Like, I don't like nobody's like, seeing your Lua code. All you can talk about is the language used to yeah. actually construct what you write. Or the, like with music, it's the same thing. Whereas with a video game, you can be like, well, that camera choice is weird. That lighting is weird. Your lighting model is weird. Your animation is weird. There's seams in these polygons. Like it can break everywhere and you can know all of them. Well, music's interesting because you, music has probably a wider range than any other form of art in that respect because it goes on the one hand from the actual human voice singing in natural language all the way to a 100% synthesized sound that has no basis in anything. I think the the sort of formal criticism side of it probably comes in more to people for people who are really into the production side or who into electronic music. Like people who would be like, oh, you're using that flange thing or whatever. (laughs) Like, uh, ugh. Uh, So to answer the question, do you, Jake, when... and the off chance you digest a new video game, are you able to set that stuff apart? I think that I am very able to do that. Like I, You generally seem to just be an appreciator when something is good. You're like, oh man, look what they did there. Yeah, I... That's... Yeah, that's, that's the thing that... That's the thing that gets me, actually, is... I found that, that I'm not hypercritical of stuff unless I deliberately get myself into that mode where I'm like, I wonder how they did that. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that weird like art tech choice but the way that i appreciate you, things you, you you call that stuff out a lot though but I always with, in a positive way uh, generally it's 99 percent of the chance is like mm, did you see i don't it's, know it's not my natural mode when i hang out with other people who do game development or other people who like are critical of games either technically or artistically mm-hmm. my brain flips into hypercritical mode but when i'm just sitting by myself playing a video oh, sure. game i think that's true for a lot i'm of people. just fully enjoying it but my appreciation of stuff does often have a layer of abstraction which disappoints me at this point like it's not my criticism of stuff but instead like i saw someone on the idle forums describe it like this as well and it doesn't happen to me all the time but when it does i'm sad it's when i'm like when the emotional impact hits me because i appreciate the way in which it was executed in the game right yeah or i'm just like oh man you guys pulled that off and instead of instead of it being like oh man the game hit me with this moment i'm just like holy shit people were able to orchestrate it hard yeah where it's like (laughs) people were able to orchestrate a thing which then made events happen inside of me it's really it's 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 really odd that's a thing that i totally know what you're coming uh, it's the that version of that differs for me so much from type of media to type of media Mm -hmm. like in in um in literature I love that feeling. Yeah. Because the because yeah, the right yeah, because the thing that resulted in that happening was was literally just one person like crystallizing an abstract thought out of their brain onto right. a page and there's something that is like pure and elegant about that that I really right. that I love that feeling. It's it is less intoxicating with a game when you're like oh like 40 people figured out how to make this software like you know i mean that's a douchey thing to say. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase it the way that I mean without being a jerk because I don't mean it that way. Like it's, it's okay. I don't know. There's no. It's one of those things that I just I don't know if I'm going to be able to communicate well right, without right. without making it sound worse than I actually feel in right. my brain. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how to explain. This it. is a place where you and I will probably actually really fundamentally disagree, which is kind of interesting to me because right. I think there are many people in the world who alone in a room can hone their craft to the point that they can create that sort of response in you. Not that that many people actually get published, but like, I think that it's, it always makes me incredibly pleased in it. Probably. I was going to say an order of magnitude more than when it happens in a book, because it's so rare that a group can mm, achieve yeah, that. Yeah, I was kind of going to say the same like, thing. It's like person, you guys managed to like like dodge the clusterfuck. There are for there like are a dozens, solid moment. dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of novels published in a year, which one can read and have a genuine emotional reaction to, or just a genuine feeling of something new. And when that happens in something that was made by four dozen people collaborating, that's super impressive to me. Like that requires a singularity of vision plus a shared enthusiasm plus just a shared skill level plus my input going into it and making 
that response come back out of it when it gets cycled through those systems. That like you're right that it's less pure, I think, as a feeling. But I think that it's intellectually really impressive to me. Oh, it's absolutely incredibly intellectually impressive. That's my point is that it's more of an intellectual appreciation, I think, okay. than the pure emotional one. I mean, like, I think that's kind of what you were saying. Yeah, maybe, you said maybe so. You, the way you mm. led that statement was by saying it bums you out when you feel that way. Right. Well, like it's, it's – yeah, it's, it's frustrating to feel genuinely moved or pushed or just have, you know, just something fire in my brain that is not an experience that I expect in a game and just going, holy shit. But then at the same time, I immediately go – my brain's like how do they make this work like who what the fuck it's like Like, the one rare positive version of like breaking of a suspension of disbelief where like your suspension of disbelief is broken because you're seeing the artifice but you're appreciating it yeah no or it's like yeah i don't know that i mean that happens in a lot of mediums it also happens in movies and i'm sure that people who like are film students or who work in film or whatever that like the good version of that and the bad version of it happens but it's it's yeah it's funky feeling so but by and large, when I'm just playing a game by myself. Yeah. Also, the thing, the oh, reason I that I, the reason that I already, I regret even saying as much as I did about this. Um, you ass. Be, well, because I knew that, it, as I was saying it, I knew that there was like, it's going to be literally impossible for me to backpedal away from it, even though, even by saying it, if I've overstated the amount that it actually like impacts my brain, because the reality is that this, that is not even the version of the answer to this question that is actually the thing Right. That I would answer with. The thing that I would actually answer with is something that has nothing to do with any of that, which is that, well, I guess it's, it's not true. It is related, but it's different, which is that being in the games industry is the thing that has kept me still liking games in the first place. Like that, that's the, that to me is the actual, just for me personally. Mm-hmm. You think you would have grown out of them if you were? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would still be looking at a game like Far Cry 3 and even be considering playing it. Like, right. I, I wouldn't, that's not a, that's not an, ex, like, the the fictional experience that game wants to sell me is not one that I would care about in the least if I weren't, if I weren't deeply interested in all of the things that, as you say, the team has to go through to make, like, these are the cards we've been dealt. We're an industry where most of the big successful games are about these themes. All right, fine. That's the hand we've been dealt. How right. do we do something inter- interesting with that, right? And, like, I haven't played enough Far Cry 3 to know if it succeeds or fails, but that's the reason I'm playing it in the first place is to is yep. to see if it does or not. And like as a result of that, I tend to – I'll play games like that I, um, uh, if they have some like connection to a design ethic I really like. But I've almost – I've basically entirely stopped playing games like Call of Duty or anything similar to it where it just has that thematic content but doesn't in, exist in an interesting design space that I care about. Whereas – 10 years ago before I was working in the games industry. Yeah. I, I, I played games like that all the time just because I thought that they were fun and whatever, uh, which is totally fine. Like that's fine. But if I were not in the games industry 10 years later, I, I probably would have discarded that entire thematic grouping regardless of design nuances right. is, kind, is kind of what I'm saying. No, no, I, that makes total sense. Um, so the, most of the games at this point that I play just purely for my own pleasure tend to be, I mean, a lot of the, well, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, right? Like, right. I mean, just other experiences that are that are less part of that kind of like big AAA, very thematically narrow group. Um, so, for me, being in the games industry is what has allowed me to to keep enjoying games. But it, but I definitely have my my scope has still narrowed a bit, regardless. Um, but it does mean that I, when I find a game that I find really intriguing or impressive for whatever reason, I tend to be very like strongly so about it because whatever intrinsic, whatever it would intrinsically draw me to it is amplified by the perspective that I have. So that that's, that's the answer to the question that I, that I wish I would have led with that. I, that I, that is the actual more meaningful one to me. So listen to that one. ML slash Emil. <laughs> So, I don't know. Does that make sense to you guys at all? No, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. I was with you. Good question, by the way, obviously, because it sparked a 15-minute conversation. <laughs> um, so, I haven't, read, I haven't read any of these questions ahead of time, actually, which is unusual. So, um, so we got lucky with that one. It was good. Um, Patrick O'Shea says, uh, We naturally assume that in a multiplayer game, since the, that the world is rendered similarly identically to all players, but does mm-hmm. it have to be? In Team Fortress 2, you could always play as the blue team. The announcer teammates, map, teammates, maps, etc. could all adjust so the enemy is always red. That might not be that meaningful, but I know I've changed colors playing TF2 or Halo and other games and started shooting my teammates out of color-coded habit. 
I read about co-op in Dead Space 3 where one player had a hallucination the other player didn't see, which makes the hallucinating player sound like a crazy, per- the crazy person to the partner at least the first time. Since each player has their own d- display these days, I was wondering if you could think of any good examples of this being put to use or where it could be put to use. It's happened. I mean, there's two, two things. One is like politically America's army wouldn't let you play yeah. as yeah, you're, always, that, the you're always yeah the Americans. Which is really suspicious. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. The politics of America's army are suspicious at their core. No, I know they are. Yeah. But I mean, that choice just highlights that. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. In yeah. Counter-Strike, you're always the terrorist. No matter which team you're on. <laughs> That's true. Where's that Counter-Strike mod? Where's that political statement? Yeah. No matter which team, it's you're always for some reason trying to plant the bomb even though one... <laughs> that feel weird. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And then um, one of them, just the bomb is already there, and the other, like, I, like there are there is sort of like, like different multi, like it's not aesthetic, <laughs> but like things like the Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow multiplayer, where like Mercs versus Spies, we have a completely different design mm-hmm. um, at your uh, disposal. There's an iOS game. There's an asynchronous uh, wordplay game called Letterpress that just that came oh, yeah. out in the last couple months, and it made the really odd choice of no matter where, like, you are always blue. Oh, that was a great choice. Oh, it's weird. But locals I think it always the, blue? I think it was the exact right choice to make. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it confuses the shit out of me because... Really? Yeah. Why, because when you're looking at, at your girlfriend's phone, you're like, what's going on over here? No, it's because, like, <laughs> when I make the first move, I'm blue. When I accept someone else's game and make the second move, I'm blue. And that totally, like... Oh, that's so funny that that, like, see the, the, but, but see, the thing is, after the first turn, you're never going to remember that again. Like, when you load that up the next day and you have 13... Because I played that game as well. And when you load that up tomorrow and you have 13 games that are at anywhere from turn 1 that's to turn true. 20, if the only thing I ever have to know is I'm blue... It's the only way I'm not yeah, going to no, drive it, myself crazy. It is, it is a good plan, but it's for some point. reason it frequently disorients me. Yeah. I, I, got I don't disor- know why. I, I got guess, disoriented yeah. as well, but after playing it a bunch, I came to the conclusion that it was that it was the only choice that made any sense. So it's a good example for this this reader. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a, it's one of those sort of those choices that's made yeah. completely for design yeah. clarity like, over the over long Depending long on term. who like in this game where someone else initiated my face and my score is on the right side of the screen yeah but in this game which i initiated my score is on the left which side is, of the screen yeah, that but seems I'm always like the wrong blue. choice actually. and that's that's yeah, where you should always be on the like, left or whatever because yeah mm. my brain looks and goes like i sort of for a while had internalized blue is on the left because yeah. i had started a lot of games when i first got it and then right. suddenly i was rematched yeah, yeah. and i was on the other yeah. side but like that's yeah that seems like a less solid choice <laughs> yeah but yeah you always being blue in that in that instance makes sense for the reasons you describe it just the game is a little inconsistent about it i totally when we um back when halo when my friends and i played halo one you know pre xbox live when we all just played same screen like 2v2 um screen sharing you know just right same screen which is still like i've talked about on the podcast before but just some of my absolute most all-time just yeah, yeah best yeah. multiplayer experiences ever and we got so so hardcore at like two versus two crazy king like we we were just so competitive and so cutthroat. Like every day, game came down to like single digit number of seconds. We would always play the same color. Like each team would always be specifically red or blue. Yep. Because we were so like right. it messed with us so much to suddenly have to be killing blue instead of red. Right. It's funny. I used to play Worms Armageddon with some friends online, like who I were just that. random across the globe people. But for probably the same reason, we would always, even though it was manual color assignments, we eventually just had team and personal colors because otherwise people would just blow the wrong person yeah. up all yeah, the time yeah, yeah, totally. where you just you'd internalize yellow equals james or whatever yeah oh to go back to letterpress for half a second i think uh-huh. that the reason that they sort left to right side based on who initiated the game in that particular game is so you can just look and see wins to losses versus who started the game like who, mm-hmm. had, the, who had the first mm-hmm. move versus who didn't is probably actually important yeah. in that game yeah, yeah, yeah but anyway yeah it's that game that is to add to like my never ending not never ending but my list of like a half dozen games so far that I downloaded on played a bunch like played a bunch of got burned out within a week and then have never loaded up since also what's funny is that I can tell that that's what happened to all the other people I played against too because I had all my games that that would like quickly go or I, w- I would mm-hmm. actually only check them about once a day because I had on my iPad which I leave at home so it was just like once an evening I would cycle through right. all my games and play them and like after after a week like just none of my games updated anymore and like I kind of got burned out and when I went back and checked 
there none of those games had like right. the other players had not gone again yet. Yep. Like it was just it was exactly what happened to me with Draw Something and with Words with Friends. Words with Friends took you like a year for that to happen. It was like six months, but yeah, yeah. it was a while. Yeah, um, those are during your Boston time. But every one of these games, though, it's a shorter. Yep. Like each one so far has been like this was the shortest one yet. It was a week, and it was really well made. It's a really. Yep. It's probably the best looking, like best feeling out of any of those games, uh, just in terms of nice presentation and UI yeah. and stuff. But like, but I just it's funny to, when I think about the graph of my like patience for this shit. Yep. That is just over the last your year attention. and a half yeah. is just yeah. Yeah, tanked. Letterpress has actually stuck with me as enjoyable more than a lot of the others. Oh, that's be, cool. But not – I don't know why necessarily. I think I just yeah. have friends who have continued to play sure, it. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. No, exactly. No one I know really plays Words with Friends anymore and definitely no one plays Draw Something anymore. Yeah. It's weird. Those, Yeah. Yeah. That seemed, Games. That seemed like a thing that happened for a while and then people yeah, decided it was not a thing. really is just like – that whole the whole like, social mobile thing is just the craziest – like – perpetuated gold rush environment where you still have to like to be successful you have to like hit some zeitgeist or you sell like 300 copies lifetime and that's it but the like, window on like, it is, is closing and yeah closing and yeah closing yeah, closing yeah. yeah it feels it's like insane. that anyway. i could be wrong but it, it seems like just based on all of the things you hear from indie devs and like the the insane disparity between the successes and like everything yeah. that isn't a huge success right it's just it's just crazy um, Drew Dunage says, Hey guys, I'm Drew Dunage, a game, oh, hey. design, <laughs> game design student from New Jersey. I will be a volunteer at GDC 2013. I've never been to a GDC before, but I'm hoping it'll take my connections and knowledge to the next level. Oh, it'll, it will. It probably will. Maybe I'm wondering four, if you three. guys can give me some advice to help me take advantage of my full times of my time spent there. Just go to as many talks as you can. Yeah. It's the best. And talk to people a lot. Yeah. That's like, I remember when, when I started going to GDC in the early 2000s, like the, just the environment of being surrounded by all these creative people in the games industry was by far the most valuable mm-hmm. part of it for me. Yeah. It was like crazy. It felt yep. like not even real. I couldn't even believe it. It was totally insane. He's a game design student. Um, so, yeah. Is that yeah. And there's like, there is like a, there's a game design workshop, the two day thing. Is that oh. what you're thinking of? No, 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 no. Yeah. He, he's young though, or he's yeah. new to the industry. I should say. Yeah. Not necessarily young. Yeah. Um, there is like a jobs pavilion oh, sort yeah. of thing like with and I would say uh, make the rounds because if you're looking for an internship or whatever you want to do in the summertime, yeah, make no the rounds for to. sure. But like, you know, I honestly I'm in compl- two different modes when I'm either in there or I'm out experiencing GDC oh, for sure. and you want to talk to like experienced devs when they're not in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, definitely. True. Yeah. So just that's a little little word of the wise mm-hmm. i'm just because you're not going to get the best version of the the guy or gal when they're uh sort of vetting young talent or doing anything like that my advice is probably well it's clearly not for everyone who goes to gdc because there are some people who go entirely for technical stuff but i would recommend if you're interested in design stick to the design track and probably go to either specific postmortems or game designers talking about a very specific subject and not as much like 15 ways we learned how to do a thing when working on this game because oh, yeah, you're going to yeah, end yeah. up yeah. getting a talk that's effectively the same thing that you're going to read on Gamma Sutra or yeah, Game Developer sure. Magazine yeah. whereas yeah. like that's a good point like my favorite talks are usually ones by people like Clint Hawking or Will Wright talking yeah. about slightly more philosophical things exactly. and all, like Things that are just built to be delivered in a rhetorical yeah. form, or like just well, they, on, then the other, the then yeah, for sure. And then on the other side, you have the design talks by guys like Jamie Greasemer, who give like really nuts and bolts, but like in the like best exploded version of that. Yes, right. you know where it's just even though you could, that's theoretically the kind of thing that a designer would write on their blog, like. I don't know. There's something that is hearing, really... Hearing someone's yeah. thought process from their brain yeah. as they do a really huge drill down into a very, very specific piece, that's yeah. that's also really interesting yeah. to me. That stuff is... that that's the Those are the parts of GDC, on the formal side of GDC, that are irreplaceable. And then the counterpart to that is just being surrounded by those people physically and being able to talk to just people yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, walk up New Montgomery to the Sentinel and oh, get man. a sandwich. Got to. But don't tell anybody... Because yeah. I don't want the line to be too long, but yeah. get there before a little bit before noon because they sell out. Yeah, but yeah, it's a secret it's between you and I. Yeah. <laughs> Dear readers, Dear right. reader, <laughs> everybody else, rewind your podcast. Go to Chevy's. <laughs> go to Chevy's. Yeah, go. <laughs> go to the go to the Thirsty Bear. Go to the W Bar. Um, all right, don't so, go to the Sentinel. It's garbage. Delicious. <laughs> 
This is a bit of a this is a bit a bit of an indulgent email, but I'm gonna read it anyway. Chris, you're Brian. so cool. I love you. <laughs> no, my well, binder says also no from well, Steve. The beginning is also gonna sound the opposite of what I just said. But <laughs> Brian Lovehorn says nine months ago I got diagnosed with bone cancer. When I found out, my friends banded together to support me, buying me gifts and distractions. My older brother bought me an iPad, and before he gave it to me, he loaded it with every episode of Idle Thumbs. Oh, your brother. <laughs> No, just keep going. <laughs> he said I, he'd been listening to it for years, and he said I needed to. He was right, and I listened to it obsessively during chemotherapy. I'm in remission, and my pro- prognosis looks good, but now, <laughs> but now I was suspicious. About a week after my after my last chemo session, I loaded up episode 39 and started to listen as I drove to the doctor's office. About five seconds after I heard Jake's voice, I got extremely nauseated and had to pull over. <laughs> I read this email. After listening to the dulcet tones of Jake howling about horse bags and goat sea while chemo drugs were pumped in my veins, I figured one of two things had happening. <laughs> happened. Either I'd grown to, to associate idle thumbs with nausea and sickness of chemotherapy, or those drugs were placebos and your podcast cured my cancer, but also with normal cancer treatment side effects. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let history decide which is the truth. Brian from Chicago. So yeah, I that was that funny. had to be I read. Had to read it. That had to be read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad you're feeling better, Brian. That yeah. is good news and a well written email. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we, can end, <laughs> yeah. we can end on that. I guess. Yeah. All right. Write so, us at questions at idlethumbs Yeah. Also, there was a new episode of the bookcast that came out on Friday, oh, yeah. and uh, it's monthly. So yep. go check it out. It's good. Three moves ahead still exists. Still good? Good podcast? All this and more at idlethumbs.net. Yeah. Twitter, idlethumbs. Internet. Promo code wizard. We're getting really good at this last part. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) We really really figured it out. Idlethumbs is brought to you by the Idlethumbs Network. Visit it at (laughs) idlethumbs.net. Next week. God, I can't make my butt fart when I want to. (laughs) <laughs> Damn it, no, you know what I mean, though. No. <laughs> With the chair. Video games. Enable Flippiston. Oh, got it. Set, Set alpha dis- table to one. Got it. Set dis- disable Cartesian key. Got it. Turn off phase Engage snorkel. Cartesian key. Okay, done. Sequence genome. Okay, fucking that wasn't oh, so bad. Oh, man.